Welcome to the Revenge Body Podcast. I'm Maverick Willett, and I've helped thousands of divorcees and single moms get snatched waist, jaw-dropping booties, and confidence that captivates the attention of men in every room, all without dieting, cutting carbs, giving up wine night, or starving yourself. What's going on, you amazing, amazing humans? Your emotional support Viking is here today to give you some freaking empowerment. So grab your seats and hold on. Lots of value in this episode. So today's episode is episode six, and I'm, it's, it's called Fuck the Scale. And here's why it's called Fuck the Scale, because the scale is, to a large extent, irrelevant to a weight loss journey. Now, I know that sounds counterintuitive. The thing that weighs us is irrelevant to a weight loss journey. I know when you first hear that, it sounds super counterintuitive, but I'm going to explain why. And I'm going to explain why weighing every single day is going to absolutely sabotage you every step of the way and cause you to do crazy shit that's going to keep you from progressing in most cases. Now, disclaimer here, what I am going to talk about with the scale influencing behavior does not apply to 100% of people. It applies primarily to the demographic that our program focuses on, which is women 30 plus and women who have been struggling with weight loss for a while and have tried all kinds of different stuff that didn't pan out. That's the primary group of humans that this information is for. So if you're someone who this doesn't apply to, like all of my other podcast episodes, take what lands, discard what doesn't. It's not one size fits all, but I want you to use what is of value to you. So with that being said, let's get into it. Here's why it's absurd to weigh every single day for the majority of people. I want you to think about your mood and emotions after you weigh yourself. And I want you to think about how you feel after you see that number, whether it goes up or down. How do you feel after? And be honest with yourself. And I think if most of us are honest with ourselves, we would say that if that scale isn't progressing in the direction that I expected, and our expectations are formed from our upbringing in society and our environment, primarily, you know, our childhood, and a lot of times they're an inaccurate depiction of what's healthy or what is reality, right? But our expectation, if it doesn't meet our expectation, we feel disappointed. I think that's pretty a pretty fair assumption, right? Now, that in, a, in and of itself isn't the problem. The problem is the actions and behaviors that follow that disappointment, okay? So for, in, in our, for our purposes, we're talking about you know, weight loss and fat loss, right? And, and keeping the results and maintaining a body year-round that you feel confident and sexy. And now, a lot of that is internal work. You know, a lot of that is changing the lens through which you view your body. But as far as physical results, you know, we're all trying to get a body that we don't have to ideally cram in a panic diet before a vacation. You know, we're already there. We're ready, right? That's the ideal. We don't want a roller coaster of ups and downs where, you know, we have a vacation coming up or a family reunion or a high school reunion or a get together and or a get together with the girls we haven't seen in a while. And then all of a sudden we feel the need to panic diet so that we cannot suck in in pictures. Right, even though we're probably still going to, right? I say we as if I am a woman who struggles with these things. And <laughs> just know that I say we because I have spoken with thousands of you and and I empathize and have such compassion for the things that you all go through um, that I will never firsthand understand, but I have a large appreciation and empathy for. So when I say we, just know that I speak as a, a man who is here serving you and helping you overcome these things and has done so for for years now. And will continue to improve and get better in that regard. But that being said, the emotions and feelings that follow that disappointment lead to actions that will stagnate your progress. And what I mean by that is for weight loss and fat loss to 
work and to happen and to stick and, and, and stay consistent, you have to stick with something. You have to do it consistently. You have to repeat it over and over in order to reap the rewards from whatever modality you've chosen. And that goes for anything, even, even the uh, infamous keto, you have to stick with it in order to, to see the results. You can't come out of ketosis or you know it'll stop working, right? Ideally, whatever the hell those zealots say. I'm going to make a whole episode on keto. Don't worry, it's coming. And I'm not, my intent is not to make anyone feel bad for doing keto. We've all done dumb shit. I used to, I've, I've done more dumb shit than you, I guarantee it. In an effort to gain muscle, you know, that was my metric of value. I'm not valuable unless I have muscle. I digress. So what follows the emotions after seeing that disappointment? Well, you typically will undereat or overexercise, right? Let's just say that scale number doesn't go down enough. Let's just say that you step on the scale and it's not, it, it either, this is the crazy thing. This is the thing that blows my mind. Either it didn't go down at all, it went up, or this is the one that kills me, it didn't go down fast enough, right? Like it went down, but not enough to your liking. So what do you do? Even subconsciously, you do this. You under eat, you eat less, right? Like you'll, you'll say, oh, well, the scale didn't go down fast enough. I need to eat less. So I, or I need to starve myself or I need to fast or I need to cut out sugars today or cut carbs today. Like that's wild, right? If When you zoom out and you look at that, you're like, cutting out sugar and carbs for a couple days just to make a poop detector number go down. First of all, it's absurd because body fat takes time to lose, takes time to gain and lose. You can't gain or lose it overnight. What you can gain or lose overnight is food, you know, water, water retention, mineral imbalance. Hormonally, you can store body weight you can store water. There's all kinds of factors that can make that scale go up and down. And it's very rarely actual body fat. But when we see that number, if it goes up, we think, oh my God, I'm getting fat, quote unquote, right? You immediately associate that scale number with body fat. And if it doesn't go down fast enough, or if it just stagnates, you're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not losing weight. It must be something I'm doing with my eating. I've been coaching a long time. And I'm here to tell you, even the most successful clients we've ever had, I'm talking like Mandy Donald, who's down 120 pounds plus at 62 years old, despite lupus and fibromyalgia. I'm talking women who have, who have lost over 100 pounds, 80 pounds, and you know, are still maintaining that and, and progressing. None of their weight loss charts, because in our program, our clients do weigh weekly or biweekly or monthly, whatever is mentally healthiest for them. And, and it charts a line graph, right? As you go, none of those graphs were straight down. None of them are most successful clients. The top 1%, their weight loss charts were not straight down. They were up and down, up and down, up and down like a heart monitor, trending downward over time. We're going to get into the trends, okay? We're going to get into the trends here in a sec. But let's, let's just talk about the, the feelings and emotions that come when you see that number. It is so destructive and arbitrary to take action off of a daily number. No matter what you do, that number is going to fluctuate no matter what. There's people who fast for two days and their, their weight goes up. And that could be for a variety of reasons. So you don't want to take action off of a number that is continuously going to fluctuate no matter what you do. Okay. You just don't. And I know that that's contrary to our, our thought processes and the things that we've learned growing up, because a lot of us learned, well, if we don't weigh a certain number that we're not enough, we're not sufficient, we're not beautiful. Right. Or maybe we had a parent or a grandparent that shamed us for looking a certain way or, you know, grand, it seems like grandmothers are the worst about it. They're just the, the most blunt. They're like, you know, you're looking too skinny. Oh, you're looking too fat. You need to eat more. You need to eat more. And like hearing that language as children, brands it in our brain that we have to look a certain body type or 
weigh a certain amount in order to be worthy or sufficient or good enough because our grandparents and our parents and people were trying to make proud growing up. And if those people disapprove of our body, then that's going to imprint on our psyche forever, you know, and it takes a lot of behavior modification to turn that around and, and fire new neurons. Is It is very, very doable. It just takes time, which is another reason why it's, it's, it's wild to get frustrated when things don't happen overnight because the real battle is internal. The real battle is between the ears. It's behavior modification and you're, you're fighting. Because your mind doesn't want to change. Your mind wants to stay comfortable. It's used to the status quo of staying stuck. So new things are always scary and it takes extra effort to cultivate new behaviors. But when you do, it's when your life changes. All right. So you don't want to weigh every day, in my opinion, especially if it's causing you to take actions that are incongruent with where you're trying to go. So if you, let's just see, look what happens when you eat less or, or deprive yourself, what's going to happen as a result? You're going to feel deprived. You're going to get hungry. You're going to start craving things. That's your body's response to that extreme pendulum swing. So what ends up happening is usually you deprive yourself just to make that scale weight go down. And maybe it does just because you're simply consuming less material in your body. And then all of a sudden you have these cravings. And then what do you do? You eventually binge. And then you feel like shit and you feel shame and guilt because you've labeled that action as bad. And when we label something as bad, we immediately want to punish or deprive or feel more shame. And so, and so it's like a self, it's a self-fulfilling cycle of destruction that we put ourselves in when we weigh every day. And then we have the emotions that follow that disappointment. And then we take actions to overcorrect, like over-exercising or under-eating. And that creates more deprivation, more scarcity, and more cravings. And then we initially go the other direction and binge again. And it happens for some people every single week. You see, we see a pattern. I've seen this for years now. There's a pattern with a lot of people, and it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They're food tracking because we we track you know we track food in our program to to cultivate awareness of our eating habits because we as a country as a people are extremely unaware of our eating habits. That's the main problem. That's the main contributor to the obesity epidemic. It's not any one specific food. It's just complete a lack of awareness with our eating habits. Right. So clients are typically really really compliant early in the program, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Right. And then you start to see something Thursday, Friday, like they tra- they don't track all their meals. You'll see like 300 calories one day. And you're like, there's no way they only ate 300 calories. That's just all they tracked today. I wonder what happened to the rest of the day. And it's usually because they ate stuff that they are, they feel guilty about showing or tracking because they feel like, you know, you feel like a failure if you eat something that you have labeled bad. When the reality is the more honest you are with this stuff, the quicker we can point it out as coaches. That's why we encourage honest, honest tracking so we can fix it early, right? So. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we notice a trend where the tracking gets a little bit less. And if they're honest trackers, the foods get a little bit more like on the process side, they eat out. Maybe there's some drinking. Sunday usually is just blank because they're just like someone has pushed the fuck it button and has completely like snowball effect, right? They're like, oh, well, I screwed up once. I might as well keep screwing up. Fuck it. And then the shame and guilt kicks in. And then Monday morning, it's a huge attempt to get back on track and recalibrate completely like, oh, new week, new me, new leaf, right? And this, this is what we see every single week. It's like um, with some clients until they, until they become aware of it, which is, again, is the benefit of tracking. You can see how these things are playing into your caloric intake and finally make a change. We, don't, we can't fix what we don't know. So tracking brings the awareness to see it, be mindful of it, and make new decisions, right? So that cycle keeps people super stuck because, and, and a lot of people report this. A lot of people say this too. They're like, oh, I'm barely eating, but I can't lose weight. Well, you you only remember Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when you may have barely eaten. You may have eaten like 800 calories Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like a newborn baby rabbit. It's less than my two-year-old eats, by the way. 
But then you don't remember Thursday, Friday, Saturday when you started snacking, right? The snacking, the processed foods adds up. Nature Valley bars are 200 calories a pop. So, but they don't fill you up. So it doesn't feel like you're eating a lot because it's low, low, uh, it's low nutrient content and low satiety, right? The higher, the more nutrient dense a food is, the more satiating it is, more, more full it's going to make you feel. That's why I'm an advocate of eating nutrient dense foods, obviously, so you can get the nutrients and also because they're more filling, right? So you, you, you eat less, you know, you start to do some mindless eating. This is, this is especially a true for like nurses who are on shift at night and don't realize the mindless snacking they do when they're just starving because their circadian rhythms off and they're, that's the hardest type of client to coach as nurses and military. That's, that's hard too. There's so much mindless eating going on, but you do the mindless eating, the processed foods. You don't feel like you're eating as much. And maybe the other factor is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you did eat nutrient dense foods. So you do feel more full and therefore, you know, feel like, um, you know, that's, that's another contributor, right? So what ends up happening is you underconsume Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you overconsume Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and those three or four days on the weekend add up to a caloric surplus, meaning you consume more than it takes to maintain your weight. And then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you were in a caloric deficit, right? Maybe assuming that you actually were barely eating and your average for the week is above what it took to maintain your weight. So what this means is if it takes 1,800 calories to maintain your weight, for instance, and maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you are in a deficit. You consume 1,000, right? Way under, way under. That's a sharp deficit. That's like, you know, if it's, it takes 1,800 calories to maintain your weight, you consume 1,000. That's 800-calorie deficit. That's, that's steep. That's a big deficit. That's going to result in muscle loss. That's too much. But you do that. And then you eat 2,200 on Thursday and then 1,900 Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, it's all out like, you know, 3,000, 2,800, just because of processed foods, eating out, drinking, whatever it is, right? Well, you for the week averaged over 1,800. And so that is why your weight either goes up or it stays the same or whatever, right? That is what causes stagnancy in a weight loss journey right there. That's it. Do hormones play a part? Absolutely. They play a part in how you feel, your energy levels, your, uh, your, your basal metabolic rate, which is how many calories you burn at rest because of your thyroid hormone. There's, there's a lot of things that hormones do in the body, but what they do not do is keep you from losing weight. And they do not make you spontaneously manifest body fat. That's a hard truth that a lot of women need to accept. It, it, hormones do not keep you. They do not stop your progress. They can make it slower. Hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's, Menopause, especially, they can slow down your progress and they can change the amount of calories you burn at rest. So what that means is it, that, that maintenance number goes down, right? So if your maintenance number, if it drops from 1,800 to 1,600, that's 200 less calories you have until you're in a caloric surplus, okay? That's how um, that coupled with losing muscle because of you know menopause and aging, a natural part of aging, that's why it's so important to keep your protein intake up and, and lift weights as you age, because if you lose muscle tissue, you're going to burn less calories at rest. And that's going to contribute to you being in a caloric surplus that used to be maintenance or a deficit, right? That's why it gets harder as you age right there. Primarily, that's why it's so important to keep protein intake up and keep your muscle tissue maintained with, with weight training. So we have all that going on, right? I just went off on a tangent on the long-term stuff. But when it comes to weighing every day, all these things are, are why it, we want to detach from weighing every single day. And we want to instead, I think, it's more healthy to, to weigh every week. Now, let's talk about trends, okay? Let's talk about trends. This is why it's important to use trends instead of day-to-day -day changes, right? It, on average, is healthy, sustainable, and perfectly normal to average half a pound to a pound and a half per week of weight loss over time, over the course of months, right? It is not normal to lose weight every single day. So knowing that that number is going to fluctuate no matter what, it kind of 
you know, is it's very from that standpoint, rational to detach from doing something over and over again, that's, that's derailing your journey and keeping you from being consistent. So in order for you to stay consistent, you have to have blinders on and not look at things that are going to derail you, right? Or at least learn how to manage those things. So if you weigh less, then you're seeing the thing less that makes you stressed and unhappy, right? Some clients in our program don't weigh at all. We have one client named Lauren who hasn't weighed in two and a half years in the program. And she's progressing great because she uses uh, waist measurements instead. And I'll get to that in a sec. But we want to look at your trends because as long as you are averaging over the course, so like if you weigh every week, for instance, and you stick to the same plan for eight weeks, and maybe your weight goes up on week eight, as long as you're still averaging half a pound to a pound and a half per week. So take your eight weeks, look at each weight divided by eight, look what your average is, right? And then look at your, your trend. So if you started at like, let's just, I'm just throwing numbers out there. If you started at 180 pounds and then you at one point got down to 175 over the course of this eight weeks, and then on week eight, you're at 179, that doesn't mean you're not progressing anymore. It means on the day that you weighed, you happen to weigh 179 because of food or you haven't pooped yet or you know, you have extra water, you ate a big meal the night before, you train that day. Like that's all the reasons why your weight could fluctuate. It's normal to gain weight when on the scale when you when you weight train, by the way. Perfectly normal. As long as you are trending down still, you're still progressing. Just because you went up on that one day, just because you start at 180, you're at 179 now, it doesn't mean you've lost one pound. It means that you have to you have to look at all the other fluctuations and look at your your trend downward, right? As long as you're trending downward, because for all you know, you could weigh 175, 174 the next day. For the next week, and now you're still progressing forward, and you all likelihood will, as long as your activity level is going up, right, or, or, or maintaining at a high high level. Another thing I want to bring up is monthly cycles. This is super important, ladies. So obviously, you know, menstrual cycles. Obviously, you know, except for those of you who are perimenopause, in menopause, or postmenopause. Obviously, it's a little different. But for those of you who are premenopause and not on birth control that are affecting your cycles, you have a, a monthly four week cycle, and so we know that. You don't want to compare a week one weight to a week three weight because in all likelihood, that week three weight is going to be a little higher, right? And it's going to be higher week three every month. So keep that in mind when you're comparing your weights as well. If you're weighing weekly, you don't want to compare a week one with week three. You want to compare a week one with a week five because that's the, the same week of your monthly cycle. So keep that in mind too. We, we always advocate that with clients, right? Okay. So as long as you're trending downward, you are good to go. No reason to change a damn thing. So keep that in mind. And with that mindset, you will outlast your friends who diet hop and panic diet the second the scale doesn't go down or isn't to their liking, okay? Half a pound to a pound and a half per week. If you're averaging more than that, it's not bad. It's not bad. If you're averaging a little less, that's okay too. You don't have to speed things up. As long as you're progressively losing, you are on track, you are on schedule. There's no reason to change anything. And if you change anything abruptly before you've given yourself a chance to progress, you're shooting yourself in the foot. You'll just stay right where you are in that same cycle of trying new things every two weeks and not progressing anywhere, okay? We want you to stick with it. Let's talk about other metrics you can use to evaluate progress other than weight. So one is waist measurements. I think this one is better than weight. I honestly think that waist measurements, and again, this depends on the, on the person, your body, and your goals. I'm assuming that the majority of you listening to this have a goal of fat loss, right? So using your waist measurement as a metric is much more accurate and much more predictable than a scale because it takes time for your waist to go down. Your, your waist size is not going to fluctuate day to day. It's primarily, you know, outside of eating a large, large meal, 
day to day, if you take your waist measurement at the exact same time, and that's another thing, any, any metric you take, whether it's weight or waist, waist measurement, you need to do it at the exact same time of day in the exact same conditions for the most accuracy. Because if you weigh on different, at different times of day, that's going to be, give you an inaccurate depiction because you'll have more food in your stomach. You'll have exercise. You'll have had a higher activity level, something, some other variable is going to affect that. So you want to give the same conditions every time for either. But with your waist measurement, any losses there are primarily going to be body fat, especially over time. So if you have lost, if, and the reason this is important is because we have clients that don't progress in their body weight for whatever reason, because every, again, your progress, no two clients, no two women are the same. No two women's bodies are the same. You're not supposed to progress at the exact same rate as someone else, which is why it is another reason that it's crazy to compare yourself to someone else because someone else's body is completely different from yours. Just because your friend Stacy's lost 20 pounds in five months and you've lost 10, if you compare, you're all of a sudden like, oh my God, I'm, I've only lost 10 pounds. Now you've depreciated your progress that is actually very monumental in that time frame. You don't, you, know, you don't know what she's doing behind closed doors and you, you shouldn't care. This is your race, your pace. Your race, your pace. Always. Always remember that. So waist measurements take time to go down. So if, if we have a lot of clients that don't progress in their weight, but their waist measurements go, they're losing inches. That is progress because the goal, remember ladies, the goal is body fat loss, not just pure weight loss. Weight is everything in your body, muscle, fat, et cetera. Body fat is what we want to lose. So just because you're not losing weight, you could be, I mean, you in all likelihood, if you're losing inches, you're still progressing because body composition is your muscle and fat, right? Your muscle to fat ratio, basically. And if you're training in the gym and you're getting stronger, you could be gaining some muscle, which is amazing, by the way, because that's what's going to shape your body, make you burn more calories at rest. And that is a triumph, okay? That's what's going to cause that shape to happen in your body, that tone in your legs. Everybody uses the word tone. Guess what? Tone is muscle. Okay. So if you're gaining muscle, that, that's going to make you smaller because muscle is more dense than body fat. It takes up less space at the same weight. That's why when you gain muscle, you actually shrink if the goal is weight loss, right? If you're someone who has quite a bit of weight to lose, or if you're someone who's wanting to reshape your body, if you gain muscle, you're going to actually get smaller. Muscle, when, when I say muscle, women immediately think Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm like, no, <laughs> muscle, men and women gain muscle very, like a woman, a woman and a man could do the exact same training program. And here's a shocker. All the women in our program do what I do in the gym. Do they look mainly to you? Yeah, I didn't think so. A woman and a man can do the exact same training program and they'll develop completely differently. Why? Hormones. You don't have the hormones to get manly. It doesn't happen. The reason why women in the CrossFit games at the ES, in the ESPN and, and, and in bodybuilding competitions, they all use steroids. That's why they you look masculine. It takes performance enhancing drugs to be competitive at that level and they all use them. And that's what produces masculine traits, the huge traps, the, the deeper voice, the, the, any, you know, the body hair, you don't see that. They probably shave that, but <laughs> I, I mean, I would assume so. Masculine traits come from androgenic hormones. Okay. Exogenous, meaning from outside the body. You, I assume, <laughs> don't have a goal of gaining, you know, that type of you know, competing at that level. The majority of people, the women we work with are not high performance athletes. They are, they're women who just want to look better, feel better, feel sexier and, and be healthier, right? So to that end, you could lift weights from now until you die when you're 120 years old and get as strong as you possibly could. And you will not look like a man. You will only develop very feminine, shapely, sexy muscle. So brand that in your brains. That is indisputable, okay? Without exogenous hormones, you will not get manly. You only get sexy. So 
when you your waist measurement's going down, but the scale is not, you likely are just gaining some muscle tissue. Congrats. That's amazing progress. And the weight will eventually go down anyway. It'll be a byproduct. Which brings me to our next metric, strength progression. So celebrate waist measurements, right? It's one metric instead of a scale. Strength progression is a great one. Like take pride in getting stronger. Take pride in increasing your strength and doing things outside your athletic comfort zone because that is going to cause the most visual change in your body. That muscle tissue, which is going to direct result and correlation with strength increases. So by making your metric strength increases, weight loss will be a byproduct of that. So in in, in the irony is you stop focusing on weight loss and start and you redirect your focus to strength gaining. The result is weight loss. Sounds crazy, but it's true. That's what all our clients do. We was like, hey, stop, just stop looking at that fucking thing and just start looking and getting stronger and you will lose weight. But by focusing solely on weight loss you and, and, and getting butt hurt every time that number doesn't go down, you are constantly derailing yourself from long-term weight loss. Eureka, right? So ways to increase strength is I want to, I want to expand on that just a little bit. Doesn't necessarily mean just going up in weight, right? There's different ways to progress with your workouts. And I'll talk about training on another episode, but just, just so you know, progress in the gym doesn't mean just going up in weight. It could mean lifting more reps with the same weight, right? For instance, if you squat a hundred pounds and this applies to any exercise, I'm just using squats as an example. If you squat a hundred pounds for 10 reps one week and you squat a hundred pounds for 12 reps the next week, guess what? You got stronger. If you did four sets of 100 pounds at 10 reps, right? Four sets of 10 with 100 pounds. And then the next week you do five sets of 10 with 100 pounds. You got stronger because you did a new, you did an extra set. You did more work with the same weight, which means you got stronger. That's progression. So there's different ways to evaluate strength increase. One final way, one really good hack I want to give you all is slowing down your reps. Ooh, and again, I'll, I'll go more in depth on this on training on another episode, but slow down your reps. And this goes for if you don't have equipment at home, one way you can make body weight training even more challenging is slow down your reps. So literally like on the way down, which is called the eccentric portion of the rep, the negative portion, like say in a squat, I'm going to use squats again. On your way down towards the floor, count to four, four, three, two, one, four second negative. That is a long ass time, <laughs> especially when you're supporting body weight and going down your legs start to burn, right? So if you do, let's just say 20 body weight squats one week, and then you want to challenge yourself the next week, you do three sets of 20, right? The next week you do three sets of 20, but you slowed those reps down. Whew, that's a progression. And your body doesn't know the difference. Your body only knows how hard you make the exercise. It doesn't know how much weight you're using. So if you have body weight or limited equipment, one way to make that equipment, get more out of it and get more longevity out of it. So you don't have to buy new weights is to slow down your reps and make it harder with the same weight. Dropping bombs on this episode. Okay. Next measurement, no, next metric we could use. So we have waist measurement. We have strength increases, how your clothes fit, right? And here's why your clothes fitting is a great metric. Picture your body like a town where it rains, right? Well, when it rains, there's areas that are going to flood. When the sun comes out, all the water evaporates at once, but the areas with bigger puddles are the places that are going to evaporate last. That's your problem areas. Think of your, your, your tummy, lower back, arm jiggle, whatever it is that is your quote unquote problem area. Those are those larger puddles. They will go. But in order for them to go, you have to stay consistent for longer. And again, that's what that comes back to derailing yourself every time the scale doesn't go down. Just because the scale doesn't, isn't going down doesn't mean you're not progressing. But quitting every time it doesn't is keeping you from losing those stubborn areas because you're not sticking with whatever you're doing long enough to see the results. So when you use your clothes fitting as a metric, and not just your waist, but everywhere, you can start to see where your clothes are fitting looser in certain areas because we burn body fat cumulatively 
over our entire body. I said cumulatively, really slowly, because if I say it fast, it comes out all weird. Cumulatively, all over your body at once. But the, the problem areas take the longest. So by seeing your clothes get looser in all areas, you know you're progressing. It reminds you that you're progressing, right? And that's something to celebrate. All these are things to celebrate, right? This next one is huge. So we have waist measurement. We have strength increases. We have clothes fitting. Behavior changes. Ooh, this is a huge, huge, huge one. This is probably the most important one to celebrate, right? All y'all are evaluating your progress with a scale when you have behavior changes that you made this week that are worth celebrating. It got completely overlooked. For example, for one woman, it's worth celebrating if you're offered pizza and you say yes without guilt and shame. That's a win because we've removed the label from the thing and therefore you won't feel the need to punish. For another woman, it's a win to be offered pizza and say no because it's not congruent with your goals that day. Both of those are wins. Important to know that. Important to not think that it's either or. Either one could be a win depending on your journey, right? Another behavior change. If you binged five times last week and you binged four times this week, don't beat yourself up for binging four times. Celebrate binging one less time than last week. There's a mindset shift. Y'all are out here punishing yourselves when you're actually trending up and your behavior changes. <laughs> so celebrate it. And this is coming from someone who had to do intense behavior modification with myself because I had behaviors that were essentially destroying my life, right? So I'm very, I, I speak to you as a walker of the walk here. I wouldn't ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself, right? So celebrate those small behavior changes because those are actually the most impactful on your journey, right? So with behavior changes, think about every behavior you have. I want you to look at your day and I want you to do this. Man, I'm packing this, this episode, but this is great. You want to look at your day and think of a column going down the middle of a piece of paper. You might actually want to do this physically. Write, out, write it out, right? A column down the middle of a piece of paper. In the left column is everything that's contributing to your, your progress, everything that's a value add to your progress and your goals. On the right column, everything that's taking away. And be real honest with yourself. Be real honest with yourself. So like waking up and looking at your phone first thing. That's not going to help you, right? Or, you know, depending on what you look at. If you're looking at a devotion or like a affirmation, something like that, that, that's positive, right? But if you're checking social media and you're doom scrolling first thing, that's taken away, right? Then look at the next thing you do. Then the next thing, then the next thing, then the next thing. And just kind of do a self-audit. And if you are making improvements on doing less of the right and more of the left, that's worth celebrating. We don't celebrate ourselves enough. All we do is freaking tear ourselves down, Right? We want to celebrate the good things we're doing. Life is so good, ladies. Life rips. Life rips. But you got to let it be good. Okay? So celebrate yourself more, right? Make this journey more positive instead of just self-depreciating and criticizing yourself every turn, turn your, tearing yourself down. Don't do that. Or at least let's do less of it, right? It's unrealistic, it's unrealistic to say, stop doing it, right? That's unhelpful. But we want to make our lives more manageable and do less of it over time. Worth celebrating. That's my point. Another way to look at it. Look at a calendar of your last month. Just picture a calendar on days where you made progress in behavior change or did less of an old behavior, you have circles. On X days, you succumb to old behaviors just as much or binged or whatever it is, right? So if at the end of that calendar month, you have less X's and more O's by the week, that's progress. A lot of us, we get caught up in the day-to-day like, oh, I did this today, so I'm failing. And you didn't even look at the last three weeks that you've been making changes. We apply all of this, by the way, with our clients and our program. And that's why we're so successful. 
It's not like we have some super secret science formula for macros or any bullshit like that. It's it's because we do this. We help you realize the power you already have and we we are the compass, right? Coaching is intense. Coaching is, this is why coaching is so valuable. Anyway, so we have clothes fitting better, waist measurement, strength increases, behavior changes. Last one is activity level. Ooh, this is the one you're overlooking right here. If you weren't overlooking any of the other ones, this is the one you're overlooking. So many women, when they cultivate, like in our program, when they cultivate an awareness of how little they're active and they change that one thing, like step count, their fat loss gets effortless. We have this picture in our minds of how active we are and rarely ever is it reality. So track your steps, ladies. And let your, I say this all the time, my content, but let the step counter run on autopilot for seven days, get a weekly average, and then look to average 100 to 200 more steps per week, small changes over time. And as your activity level ticks up, your fat loss will increase. I promise you, I guarantee you. Now, what should your step goal be? Most people say a really good step goal to have is eight to 10,000 steps a day. But that being said, saying that right out the gate is discouraging as shit if you're only stepping like a thousand a day. So the goal, so the goal is to meet yourself where you're at. And if you're stepping a thousand a day, just increase to 1100 next week and then 1200. That's how you build momentum. And that's how you're going to kick this journey's ass. Okay. Not, not setting this huge fucking goal of 8,000 steps when you haven't stepped over 2000 in, in six months. That's unrealistic. Got to meet yourself where you're at. And we all start somewhere, right? Okay. So that's all the metrics. I mean, there's, there's many more, but that's a few that I want to give away on this episode. Last thing I want to say is two things. Number one, drop this perfectionist mindset. It's bullshit. Nobody's perfect. And a lot of times we, tell ourselves we're perfectionists simply so we can quit because it wasn't perfect. We're like, oh, well, I didn't perfectly hit my macros this week. or I didn't perfectly go to the gym as many times as I set out to this week. So since I'm a perfectionist, I quit. That's fucking dumb. Stop doing that. You're not a perfectionist. You just, you're just looking for a reason, an easy way out. Life rarely gets easier when we try to make it easier. Take the hard route. Keep going. You don't have accept less than perfect because less than perfect is what it takes. So this leads me to the second thing. Your macros don't have to be perfect. Your caloric consumption doesn't have to be perfect. Far from it. You just have to be consistent with 60 to 70% of perfect. So what do I mean by that? I mean, if your calorie goal is 1800, by the way, y'all, if you haven't, I think I said this on another episode, the best fat loss guide ever. Take your goal weight, multiply it by 12 or current weight, multiply 10, whichever. And you want to average a range of whatever that number is. So if you come out with 1800 calories as your calorie goal, the goal isn't 1,800 calories. It's 1,600 to 2,000. You give yourself 200 calories of wiggle room either way. And guess what? If you do that, if you average that range, you're going to progress. You're going to lose weight. Does that sound perfect to you? No, it sounds like good enough. And that's what we need to accept more of. Good enough. Don't let good enough, don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. Don't let perfect be the enemy of good enough. Who the fuck wants to be perfect anyway? Perfect's miserable. You, want, you know what perfection gets you? A crash. I 100% want a client who's willing to make mistakes and be 60 to 70%, 100% of the time, than a client who tries to be 100% over and over and then crash and burn because 100% is fucking miserable. It is miserable to hit perfect macros all the time. It's not realistic. You're going to eat a perfect set of macros every day for the rest of your life, despite going to barbecues and going on vacation and going to family events and enjoying your fucking food. You're going to weigh your food every day for the rest of your life. No, that's miserable. That's robotic. And it's crazy. So we want to cultivate awareness with these tools like food tracking and using the scale and, and learning macros. But it's not so you can do it forever like a, like a fucking robot. 
It's so that you can learn the tools to make intuitive decisions with your eating. And fat loss and body transformation just comes from making better decisions over time, not from making the perfect decision. I hope this made sense to you, ladies. I appreciate you all for listening. If you like this, share it with your friends. Give me a five-star rating if you, if you feel like it. You know, I'd appreciate it. I'd appreciate it. You don't have to, but if you do, thank you. Thanks for listening, y'all. Hope this hit. Hope this lands. Like I said, take what lands, discard what doesn't. As always, I appreciate you all and uh, have an amazing rest of your day. Thanks, ladies. If you liked what you heard on this episode, ladies, share it with your friends. And if you want to finally escape dieting culture and get body results that make your ex wish he never mistreated you, check out the link for the Revenge Body Metabolic Revamp. You can find that in the show notes. And remember, ladies, you are powerful.